today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Do not be afraid is a command. And we want it to be a command. And here's why. Because when it's a command, then it rises to the level of God enabling us to do that which He's commanding us to do. You know, I think when we're reading in our Bibles about the commands of God, as John says, the commands of the Lord are not burdensome. We almost want it to be a command because if it's a command, we are promised that God will never command us to do anything that He will not empower us to do. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through a special message called Faith Over Fear. Do you shy away from God's commands? They can be intimidating. Sometimes they feel impossible. But today, Pastor J.D. reminds us that God's commands are a blessing. Not only because we're doing the will of God, but because He strengthens us to do the things that we can't accomplish on our own. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 1 as he continues his message, Faith Over Fear. This husband and wife, for the rest of their life, would have been scorned, rejected, ridiculed. They would have posted all kinds of stuff on their social media pages. You have no idea. One of those posts would have likely been something along the lines of, did you hear about Mary? (laughs) Get this, she was conceived by the Holy Spirit and gave birth to the Savior of the world as a virgin. Yeah, right. (laughs) No, they, no, they're trying to cover up sexual sin. For the rest of their lives, they would live under the crushing weight of the criticism from everyone, their families, their friends. Can you even imagine what that must have been like for them? I'm hoping to kind of paint this portrait, this backstory, so that we can have a better understanding of just how amazing this story really is. I mean, when you think about it, when they after Jesus is born. By the way, this is a little side note parenthetically. You know, when he was born, he was born in a manger, right? We've cleaned it up and tidied it up, and it was a a stone-cold feeding trough for animals. And they wrapped him in cloth and placed him in this manger, we call it, which was basically a stone feeding trough. Get this. That's what they would do with the Passover lamb in preparation for the sacrifice. And they had one specific field, and the shepherds would watch over these lambs, because these lambs were special. They had to be watched and inspected and found without blemish or spot in order to qualify as a sacrificial lamb for the Passover. Do you know where that 
shepherd's field where these lambs were, where it was located? Bethlehem. That's why, and that's when, and that's where they took the Lamb of God to the exact location there in Bethlehem, in that specific shepherd's field, under the watch of those shepherds. Don't you find it interesting that the birth of the Savior of the world is first announced to dirty, rotten, stinking, smelly shepherds? Hey, listen, if the birth of the Savior is going to be announced, shouldn't that go out to the elite? To the who's who? I mean, this is the Savior of the world. And the announcement goes to shepherds. Oh yeah, but these aren't just any ordinary shepherds. And this is not just any ordinary birth. This is the Lamb of God. And He was born in that very exact location, exactly as the prophecy said. And by the way, they would take the Passover lamb and they would wrap it in cloth in preparation for the sacrifice, which is exactly what they did with Jesus. How's that one? Is that chicken skin or what? Now let's get back to Joseph and Mary. Do you know how hard their lives were? Even before this, they didn't have it easy. And by the way, they're really young. I know this messes people up and jams people's gears, but they're teenagers. You know that, right? At this time, very young. You okay? Are we good still? <laughs> and then they had to, to escape Herod. They had to travel to Egypt, again, as the prophecy would have it. You know how hard traveling was in that day? I mean just the actual birth itself, that ninth month of pregnancy. Again, Mary was a real person. She was pregnant with a child conceived by the Holy Spirit, but she still had all of the things that women who get pregnant have. I remember when in the ninth month my wife, pregnant with our children, would say to me, <laughs> she didn't have to say anything, as the expression said at all. This kid needs to be born now. Hard that ninth month, like I know, right? You know, yeah, it was hard on me too. But for the woman, so hard. And all of this is going on? I don't think it's possible to overstate the faith that both Joseph and Mary would have had to have in order to fulfill their part in this salvation story. I want to share with you concerning Joseph two truths that I believe can have profound application to our own lives in this, the last hour of human history before the rapture of the church. First, he counted the cost and made the decision. I find it most interesting that he had considered the implications of what God had chosen him to do and decided to do it. When he first heard that she was pregnant, before the angel of the Lord appeared to him, he thought, 
out of respect for her reputation, that he would divorce her because he was a righteous man. You have to imagine in that culture in that day, to be pregnant out of wedlock? Unthinkable. You'd be run out of town. (laughs) They actually were, but unthinkable. And I, I love the detail that God deemed necessary for the Holy Spirit to inspire Matthew to write when we're told that Joseph started considering the implications of all of this. She's pregnant? We're pure. How can this be? Oh, (laughs) think about this. He actually initially, before the angel of the Lord appeared to him, thought she was unfaithful, because that was the only explanation. She had sex with another man and has gotten pregnant. And the angel of the Lord appears to him, says to him, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. And he explains the whole thing to him. But, (laughs) and by the way, whenever you read in the Bible the words to someone, do not be afraid, it's because they were afraid. (laughs) And that's deeply profound. Joseph was so fearful Could you imagine the emotions? Just the pressure, the amount of stress that would be on them. And so then the angel of the Lord appears to him, and in spite of knowing that there would be tremendous opposition and adversity from everyone he knew, for the rest of his short life, he counted the cost, and he made the decision to accept Jesus as his own son, and parent him as a father. Look, I'll tell you, as an earthly father, I've shared this before, and it's not hyperbole, I mean this, literally. I've started businesses and operated businesses. I've started churches and pastored churches. Combined, they are not as difficult as parenting. Combined, that's not hyperbole hard enough to be a father, let alone, no pressure, the father of the Savior of the world? (laughs) Me? That's a lot of pressure. It's okay, the Holy Spirit will give you all that you need in order to parent the Savior of the world. Oh, by the way, (laughs) He's going to be the perfect child. You know, the one you thought you were going to have before your children were born? You read the same books I did, right? You read all those parenting books when you're, before your child is born, you're like, yeah, <laughs> I got this. And then they're born, you're like, oh God, oh God. And you don't sleep ever again after. Anyway, we threw them all away. In fact, I think I might have burned one of them. So much for knowing how to parent. Here's my point, and I do have one. <laughs> He counted the cost before he accepted Jesus. You see where I'm going with this? You know, there is a cost, and it's not one to be taken lightly. 
And I think it is a sad day when we live in a world where many a pastor, and I don't say this again to be derogatory, but they present the gospel in such a way that it's like there's no cost, there's no picking up of the cross, and no dying to oneself in order to be a disciple of Jesus. It cost him everything for the rest of his life, and he counted that cost, and he still made the decision. I love that hymn, timeless hymn, I have decided to follow Jesus. I think Joseph could have written his own hymn, I have decided to parent Jesus, (laughs) but I have decided to follow Jesus. The cross before me, the world behind me, Though none go with me, and they won't, still I will follow. Well, here's a second one that I want to spend the remainder of our time on today. And it has to do with how he believed by faith, faith, and obeyed God's command. Notice with me in verse 24, where we're told that when Joseph woke up from the dream, He did what the Lord had commanded him. Now it's easy to just at first read, read over that, and it's like, oh yeah, okay. No, wait a minute. He actually did it by faith. He did what? He obeyed the command. And by the way, do not be afraid is a command. And we want it to be a command, and here's why. Because when it's a command, then it rises to the level of God enabling us to do that which He's commanding us to do. You know, I think when we're reading in our Bibles about the commands of God, as John says, the commands of the Lord are not burdensome. We almost want it to be a command, because if it's a command, we are promised that God will never command us to do anything that He will not empower us to do. So here's the command, and now what comes packaged with the command is the empowering and the enabling to do that which I've commanded you to do. Also, notice in verse 25, how that we're told, again, very interesting detail, that Joseph did not consummate their marriage until after Mary had given birth to Jesus. Again, in obedience to the command. Now, why do I mention this? Because it speaks to a bit, we've been studying this in Hebrews, about how faith pleases God. It speaks to his faith that's pleasing to God, and it's evidenced by his obedience to God, and that's usually what ensues. By faith, and our faith is pleasing to God, and when we're by faith, pleasing to God, it will be evidenced by our obedience to God. One of the things that I'm learning in my own walk with the Lord is that fear is the antithesis of faith. Let me explain. I'm either going to be full of faith or I'm going to be full of fear. Fearful or faithful. It's one or the other. They cannot coexist. And the problem is that I've been commanded to not be fearful. God has not given me a spirit of fear. 
So now I've got a problem because the command is to not be full of fear, but rather be full of faith. Are you with me so far? Now in verse 20, when the angel of the Lord says to Joseph, do not be afraid, it is a command to instead of being afraid, which he was, to instead not be afraid or full of fear, but to be full of faith, to take Mary by faith. Yeah, but (laughs) this has never happened before. I know. That's why it's called faith, and not sight. Right? See, everything in our Adamic sin nature chafes at this notion of faith. Because what faith says and is, is the substance of things hoped for, the, here's the word, evidence of that which is not yet seen. So, I don't see it, but by faith I believe it. That's what faith is. Uh, Spoiler alert, at the rapture we no longer have any need for faith, because we'll have sight. That's deeply profound, right? So we don't need faith, because now we have sight. So this whole faith thing is temporary, until we're with Him. And when we see Him, oh. So, let's talk just a little bit about how fearful Joseph had become. And what was it, and how is it that he could go from being so full of fear to being so full of faith, that he would, out of obedience to God, pleasing to God, do all that God had commanded him to do, despite, I mean, if you really think about it, a virgin birth of the Savior of the world. And make no mistake about it, and again, the Holy Spirit is careful to inspire Matthew to record this one detail about Joseph that we know about him, that he was a man, a righteous man, who observed and kept the law. He knew. He knew. If he knew the law, he knew the prophecies in the Old Covenant. He knew about the Messiah. He knew this, because he knew the Word of God the law of God. That makes it even more incredible to me, because now he's, he's probably thinking, wow, imagine the virgin birth of the Savior of the world. I know, right, Joseph? And it's going to be you, me. How's he going to transition to this man of faith and leaving behind this man of fear, being so afraid. I believe it's because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. He heard the Word which gave him the faith, and the faith overcame the fear. Joseph's faith 
in that which was not seen was the thing he needed to overcome his fear of that which was seen. Let me say the same thing in a different way. Faith is the substance of things not seen, and he needed that faith in what was not seen to overcome the fear of what was seen. And is that not how fear comes? By what we see. You're looking at your circumstances in your life, and I think you would agree that coming into the new year, we're in very uncharted territory. The uncertainty, the fear, the stress of everything that's happening. You talked about this a little bit in the update. Talked a little bit about Jacob, the account when his sons come to him and they've left Simeon there in Egypt. And now they don't know it's Joseph, but they've been sent back to prove they're not spies. They have to bring Benjamin. And now they got to break this to their dad. And when they do, Jacob is like, (laughs) Joseph, as far as he's concerned, has long been dead. That's what he thinks. And now Simeon is gone, and now you want Benjamin? And then he says, everything is against me. And if he only knew what was just around the corner, because then when they come back, And it's recorded in Genesis 45, and they say to him, Dad, they didn't say it like that, but (laughs) you're not going to believe this. Joseph is alive. Joseph, a type of Christ. Jesus is alive. And we're told, here's here's the detail again. Joseph, his heart stopped. I mean, it just like we would say, it skipped the beat. His heart stopped because he couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe it until, watch this, he heard the word and saw the provisions. That's the faith. And then he traveled and he saw Joseph, who's alive. He's risen from the dead, because I thought he was dead for so long. No, he's he's alive. Our greater than Joseph, Jesus is alive. If fear comes by sight, and faith, the antithesis, comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God, then it would stand to reason that if I would hear and heed the Word of God, and then have that faith, I can overcome any fear. I could use me some of that. I mean, I'm just like you in a lot of respects. What's coming down the pike, man? Everything is against us, (laughs) but God. But God. Romans 8, if God is for me, who can be against me? No one. We were in Isaiah Thursday night. Very well-known passage. No weapon forged against you will prosper. Oh, you can try to create and forge all these bioweapons. I better be careful. But it will not prosper or prevail. God's going to have the final word. 
You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to study the Word of God. The Christmas season is something that most people look forward to. The pretty lights, the music, the ability to more publicly proclaim Jesus as Lord. It's an opportunity to connect with others in a way that the rest of the year just doesn't allow. There are work parties and neighborhood get-togethers that don't happen other times of the year. So what is your goal or your motivation this Christmas season and how you speak of Jesus? Is he just thrown in there with all the rest of the presents and busyness? Look for opportunities to present Jesus as the greatest present. It's a gift that doesn't get old, doesn't get taken away, and lasts forever. If you'd like to hear this message again, head over to our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're at our website, you can access more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates. There are many topics covered that might be of interest to you. Again, our website is calvarychapelkaneohe.com. If you're interested in listening to these messages on the go, search for In Spirit and Truth in the iTunes Store. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram. You'll find links to those on our website. Once again, that's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. We're nearing the end of our time with you today, but we're glad you listened in. Join us next time as Pastor J.D. will teach through God's Word right here on In Spirit and Truth. 